Catherine! completely understood what you meant. If there are things in this world you want to protect, sometimes you gotta fight for them! And welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best and only unreleased podcast about every episode of Gundam Seed, where we watch every episode of Gundam Seed, and then Zach talks about how much he likes Code Geass. My name is Jeremy. I'm Tyler. Code Geass is freaking amazing. My name is Zach. Uh, so, in in the interim, since we recorded the last episode and now, um, I won't... Four score and seven years ago? Yeah, I won't part the veil, the magic veil podcast time for our listeners, but it's it's been a bit. It's been a little bit. I have now watched all of Code Geass in the interim. I have to admit, it's a good show. I like that show. As I've stated in the past, I like the dynamic in that one a lot more than I do in this one. I'm a big fan of uh, Magnificent Bastard moments, and that show is full of them. And it actually does it in a really good way, because you never see how Lelouch is a genius. He just, like, it never shows him, like, thinking things through or anything. It's just, like, obviously some planning went into effect here, and now you just see the results of all that planning. And it's a really good way, if you're not a very smart writer or not a very smart person, do not have to pretend like you know how smart people think. You just, like, have the effects of their smart thinking take effect. Especially when you have some random reveal and midway through certain episodes where it's like, is something going to happen? And then you find out, oh, wait, no, this has all been planned out. Wow. It's like a weird show-don't-tell type of thing where they're kind of telling you that he's a genius, but they're also showing you by just seeing the results of his actions. Well, they spend more time... It's an interesting dynamic from other, like, smart person shows well they so. never actually like sit down and tell you hey look how much of a genius this guy is he just constantly is doing things that show how good he is at it so yeah i feel like like in death note for example like light would if he had a chess match with someone like the show would be about his chess match and in code geos it's just like lelouch won a game of chess Tyler, like, you don't need to know how it happened it just did Tyler, i have to pull back the veil here on you a little bit death note is entirely about a chess game it is the chess game between L and Light. No, I mean like and then a- M and N. <laughs> no, no, I do. Well, w- wait, why are you bringing candies into this? Uh, and uh, his one idol girlfriend, Mina. But the, Mina? the entire series, af- you know, Light wins. Spoilers for for Death Note. Light wins, and, and then that- Ryu just kills him because he's a jerk. Does that happen? I thought Light a just kind of, of ruled on. That's that- what happens. But now the um, but that one is very. Like, chess match between two people, so they have a lot of symbolic standing on top of buildings. Yeah, I mean a literal chess match, though, because there are literal chess matches that take place in Code Geass, but they do not ever happen in Death I think there's only much. one you ever really see. Yeah, well, there's only one that you actually see, but, like, it happens. There's well, There are chess games played There in are Code chess Geass. games played, but they don't really, like, go into detail. Well, and th- that's my point, though, is that they don't go into detail on any of the, like meticulous movement and, like, tactics, because it's a show about strategy, because Lelouch is all about strategy, and, oh no, it's a great show. Although, I, really I just approved. realized, I don't think that series ever uses the phrase Gambit. 
despite being very, very chess heavy, I don't think they ever use the word gambit. Is but there a mech that throws cards that explode? No. No. No, it's a real missed opportunity. Really in any medium, because I don't think there's ever been a gambit mech, and there needs oh, to be one. There's that character in the Mega Man X RPG, though, who is just gambit. I've never played it, there's but twisted I've heard fate. Good That's about just it. gambit. Yeah, that's true, too. But he's not a mech. In League of Legends, one of the champions is... Ah named Twisted Fate, and he throws cards. No, I really want a sequel to G Gundam now, and, like, G Gundam's gained a lot of popularity in the past, like, year or so. G Gundam is amazingly bad. I want it so much. But I now want a sequel to G Gundam that's, like, G Squared or something. I'm not, I'm not sure what we're gonna call it. We'll workshop it. But I really want the Gambit Gundam, or, uh... I, mean, I feel like what you want is Gundam Build Fighters. Yes, I should maybe just watch Build Fighters eventually, but... To be fair, I do want more G Gundam, because that series is amazing. What would even be the plot at this point? Domone is having, like, an extramarital affair? The Dark Gundam comes back in all of their kids because they all got married to various characters at the end of the series. Yeah, no, <laughs> their I children have that. to take over. Yeah, all the spin offspring have to deal with it. <laughs> the spin offspring. That's great. It's a TV trope, so I can't take credit for that. No, but I was going to ask I if it, it a was. <laughs> it's a good joke. Solid work, TV tropes, guys. I'd watch it. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would, and you know it. It would happen. You watched the original. I did. It was good. Look, I don't dislike G Gundam. I dislike Gundam sequels. My only problem with G Gundam coming back is that uh, I don't know if they can re-release it just because the voice actor for Domon is kind of a weird situation. Like... He retired and doesn't voice act anymore. It's not that no. weird. Yeah. So you have to get some other guy and no one's ever as good. Well, I, I just meant because of, like, if there's... Something in the whole release contract or whatnot. Remember for re-releasing it. Remember Legend of Korra, where they got the guy who played Zuko to voice Zuko again, and he has like a goddamn fourteen-year-old voice, even though he's the general of a navy, an admiral. I guess. Have you watched Dragon Ball Z's Japanese dub? Feel like they just have an old woman play all the voices, and that's fine by me. The same person who voiced Goku and Gohan when they were kids. Voices Goku and Gohan when they're adults. Yeah, no, that's it's canonically a Saiyan thing. Their balls never drop. Uh, so how do you explain Vegeta? Yeah, Saiyans, in fact, do not actually have human-compatible genitals. Well, um, well, uh, Vegeta had that second puberty where suddenly he got taller. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought the explanation was he started wearing platform shoes. And his widow's peak got a little less pronounced. It turns out that your head actually shrinks in second Saiyan puberty. We call it SS2P. <laughs> Super Saiyan 2 puberty. <laughs> okay, so we're watching episode 40 slash 38 today, which is Into the Dawn Sky, I believe. Now I should look at it. It is, sure. yes. Into the Dawn Skies, there's more than one. That's true. You know how they have multiple skies. And on this episode, we will finally reveal what I've been counting in our game. I know you're all very excited and eager to hear that. I am really excited and eager to hear what the hell I'm we've been I'm surprised you can't get it after having seen the episode. What? There's nothing particularly I'm special excited. about this episode. I'm excited to hear Tyler's reaction to finding oh, out I like this episode is. a lot. So, I mean, you saying that. Countdown to Kigali finally finding out that her brother is Luke Skywalker. Um, does that make her Leia? Yes. Yeah, yeah just like Leia, she doesn't Leia. do anything in the last movie. Yeah, and just like... But she doesn't get kidnapped and provide fan service. That's um, true. Atherin is, canonically, though, Han Solo. Although, you've seen the Gundam Seed Destiny openings, and you've seen that lingerie Kigali is in, in them for no reason. I don't remember the openings to Gundam Seed Destiny. Okay, well, all of them have Kigali in this lingerie for no reason. That doesn't look exactly like the Leia bikini, but you could make a comparison. 
Okay. So, for, for my own records, when during the episode do we finally reveal what the hell the game has been? You'll Near find out. End. Okay. I'm just like, there's nothing particularly, like, out of the ordinary in this episode. Like, I don't... a character dies. Yeah? I mean, yeah? I don't feel like he was actually on screen that much. Alright, so, <laughs> like I said, we're watching episode 38 slash 40, Into the Dawn Skies, and you can watch along with us. I recommend you do so on Crunchyroll.com, but if for some reason you're paying for Hulu, you could watch there too. Might oh, as well God. get you some use out of it. Why would you ever pay for Hulu? Pay for Crunchyroll. You really want to watch so that runaway better. show? I mean, yeah. you can pay for both. Some people are made out of money, Zach. It just wilts off them like there's some sort of swamp monster. Uh, that's a problem I'd like to have. A swamp monster? No, being so having so much money, it just kind of falls off me oh. and not caring. So the episode starts at the druggies submarine where the captain tells everybody's favorite blue cosmos asshole, Muta Azriel, that Orb keeps sending them requests to negotiate. And he's like, oh, nope, way too late for that. We have to murder all of them because they have cool mobile suits. We couldn't conquer them, so we have to murder everybody. Wait, what? I like how it's too late for that, even though they were the aggressors. This is really, really kind of awkward. He's not that bright. No, he's just kind of an asshole. Look, for his world be able to come true or pass the fall, so. That's fair. You know, you say he's not that bright, but at least he has impeccable fashion sense, really. No, yeah. he doesn't. A powder blue suit with a plum shirt, though? It really goes with his complexion. It's at times like these, I really wish my facial expressions would pick up over the mics. <laughs> So the Admiral decides to snub him and be like, yeah, I'm pretty sure we're all good, and the problem is with your druggy assholes. And apparently they're all listening to each other's comms because they finish each other's sentences. Remember, I, they're just really in sync. Yeah, I just took that to mean that they're all having the exact same thought at the exact same time. Bye, bye, bye. So the druggies launch, and that brings us into the opening sequence. And I believe this is the last time we will see this opening sequence. We've only got ten more episodes to go, so if they're going to switch, it's about time. Before the end of Gundam Seed? Yeah. The druggies just showed up, so they need a new open. See, even though they've been featuring them for, like, ten episodes now. I mean, canonically, that's how the show works, is they uh, tease a bunch of characters the for quite a while. I still don't know any of these characters' names, actually. Krato or Clotho, depending on the... Expl- the uh, translation. Translation you go with. Yeah, thank you. Shawnee. And the third one, whose name I know, I'm not stalling for time with this song. So doing a callback to Zach's reference, uh, Shani's clearly the shy one. Clotho, fate of, I, I forget actually what role Clotho had. She was the cutter, right? Yeah, I believe so. Is he the scythe guy? No, Shani's the scythe guy. Okay, I thought... Clotho's got the uh, raider. Who was the calamity? I don't know. I can't because this they're is, such memorable characters. This is a calamity that you can't remember it. They're a unit. Look, they're better than Druggies 2.0. Okay, <laughs> that's just... Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> this, he's not wrong, but that just shows how bad Druggies 2.0 are. After the opening scene, Shawnee, whose name I know, is hanging out underwater in the Forbidden to show off that it's a submarine suit. It does look like an imposing mantis shrimp or something. Well, the other two are flying the Calamity on the Raider, because that's its gimmick. It's, it's to play shuttle. Yes. It is uh, Gundam Uber. <laughs> we get some cool jet launching scenes, because I like combined arms a lot. And then we get the radar at Orb, while they see all the approaching mobile suits and missiles. Maru's at a coffee break. I'm a little surprised happened. they weren't like already ready for anything, because they could see them out on 
their borders. I presume they have a like forward force. And they just have some people taking a break. Uh, Rambo is talking with Kigali, and she is upset that they ever even responded to all the requests. Apparently, Lord Uzumi made a beeline for his back office from the He's main in the bunker room. Now. Well, because he was initially in, like, the main room where Kigali is, and he just, like, turned around and made a beeline for that. And so we get more combined arms. The Ark is apparently not in his flight suit. He's just kind of chilling out in his civilian gear. Kira runs for the freedom, but is interrupted by Atherd. He's like, hey, you know Orb is screwed, right? There's no way they can win. And Kira says that they all realize that over some footage of the Estrays fighting. But Kira also says that just because the odds are against us doesn't mean they can give up. I was thinking, like, why do you think morale's been so low? We all know we're committing suicide right now. This is a suicide mission. Doesn't get, not gonna stop us. And holy cow, Diarca is like the fastest dresser ever. Well, he's a coordinator. The very coordinated. Ah, ah. So, cause now he's in his flight gear. Yeah, that's why his flight gear matches his hair. Because he's coordinated. He's in eavesdropping range as well. Of course he is. Diarca is like always within eavesdropping range. <laughs> Anytime you're having a, an important conversation, you just have to expect Diarca to be in eavesdropping range. That's true. And so Kira gives Atherin a speech about protecting things and fighting. And and that causes him to flash back to his ex, asking what he's bothering to fight for. And he's like, I don't know, maybe that sweet hair? <laughs> I still love Angry Lacus. There needs to be more of that. There will be some more. Spoilers via Crunchyroll. There's an episode called Lacus Strikes coming up. I She's like- not very angry in that episode. I, I do like the gantries that they had for the freedom specifically. I didn't like the lifting gantries for the Estrays, but... So Diarca comes out of eavesdropping range into talking range to confront Atherin. Expending his uh, movement action for the turn. Yes. Uh. And Diarca's like, hey, you're supposed to steal that from Kira, right? And take it back. I love... This is the most expressive I think we've seen Diarca's face. Diarca's finally show. actually become a character. and not, He's finally come into his own in these last couple episodes. And so he's basically telling Atherin, it's going to suck. We're interfering in this fight and all this other stuff's happening. And also, because this show is so good at economic storytelling, this is also Diarca telling Atherin, hey, I'm going back out there. Yeah. And I can tell you are, too. And, and then Atherin's like, like, I don't want him to die. I don't want any of them to die. And Diarca is he's like... He's got, this, he's got this amazing smirk. And like going. my favorite Diarca line, I think, in <laughs> either of the two series is, that's amazing. For the first time, we agree on something. <laughs> and then just like walks by. <laughs> he just like mic drops, calls it a day. That's Diarca. And I like Atherin's surprise reaction, too. Because I feel like to Atherin, Diarca is like that classmate I have. And, like, them connecting on this level is a huge surprise well, to him, because Atherin is bad at making friends. Well, that and Diarca has always been antagonistic towards him in support of Izak, who is majorly antagonistic towards him. So the fact that Diarca is supporting him in this is like, wait, you're going to go against everything we basically have been standing for this entire time in the fight with them instead. And Izak would never do that. And thus far, Diarca has only been his yes man. So at what point does Izak show up and join them because he's gone all honorable warrior? Look, I'm just going to say my favorite Izak line, spoilers, is in Gundam Seed Destiny. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so we, we've got a while. I think it's, I know which one he's talking about. It's in the last episode of Gundam Seed but Destiny. I still think I know what you, one you're talking about. I think we've talked about it before. So cut to the Archangel blowing up battleships. Eh, those are probably just cruisers or destroyers. They're not battleships. They're not big enough. The Forbidden pops out of the ocean, cuts a ship in half, and does like an action pose. Well, Gundams are very good at this. The three druggies are going through mooks and just mad that the main characters haven't shown up to fight them because they want revenge and or a challenge. Probably just mostly revenge, though. Apparently, they lose a captain in charge of the Astrays. 
yeah, we get Estrays versus Daggers. It looks like the Daggers are making headway because there are way more of them. But then the Freedom shows up and just blows up all of them with its, unfortunately, now stark footage, shoot all the guns, lock onto everything, attack. See, that was cool the first time, but now it's... it's the stock footage attack. Yeah, it hasn't quite gotten to the point where it's really ridiculous, but it's it's boring now. It's not interesting. It's just, okay, he does that again. And all he right. spams it. No one likes beam spamming. I should know. That's all I do. Although, why he's firing the Vulcans, I don't know. Because those things are such... Of course, I think this is the Battletech in me. Machine guns in Battletech have insanely short range. You're not going to try and fire them at anything really far away. It's just to, you know, shoot out down any missiles that come in towards him. Yeah, to get through all the, all the other stuff he's firing. But the Calamity and the Raider find him and move to engage him so he can't just blow up all the mooks. And they're like, oh, that guy again. And it's three on one, and that's not good for him. You'd think Kira would be used to fighting in odds like these, considering that's all he's been doing this entire time. Yeah, but these are named characters. We just can't remember one of their names. So are Izak, Diarka, and Atherin. He had a battleship to sit on then. Okay, that's true. And a Mula Flaga to come to his aid. He is starting to fall back. He does a whole thing I really like about the Freedom Gundam, which has a little hole on its shield to put the gun through, which I feel like every mobile suit should have, even if it would be awkward as hell to like fit it through. It just looks really cool to me. It's one of my favorite gimmicks of the Freedom. It's one of those things that the Freedom doesn't really need, considering it's got all these guns on its back or on its hips that can easily fire so around the cannon the or around the shield. Anyway. Yeah, it's, I, all, it's got enough firepower that yeah, it doesn't but, need that. I do but like, those can be shot down, right? This protects your gun, in addition to that. I say I do like this as like a modern weaponry thing, and I'm kind of surprised I have never seen this in real life before. So, I, don't know. I also uh, thought it was it, cool. the, Most of the riot shields, they are actually alongside. Like, they have the riot shield and the gun is actually off to one side, as I understand it. Although they do have bendable guns, which are really cool. But then a beam boomerang comes for the forbidden out of nowhere, and a beam shot distracts... One, and then a regular gunshot distracts the third. And the Justice is here, surprising everybody, since we just had that conversation between Athern and Diarka. The dramatic tension. I couldn't bear it. But Kira is surprised, since he was, I think, honestly just expecting Athern to leave. He was happy to have that talk, but I don't think Kira realizes kind of how inspiring he can be, especially since he's not trying at this point. No, he's not really trying to. He wasn't expecting Atherin to stick around because he doesn't realize the depth of, uh, of Atherin's love well, for him. Yes. <laughs> and, and also, he wasn't there when Lacus admonished him. He doesn't realize the shame that Mom Lacus has put on Atherin. Good he's Mom like, Lacus. <laughs> you killed Kira. No, you go out and help him and make up for and it. And he also uh, wasn't around when Diarka kind of backed him on the whole, I'm going to stand and fight. So and I would like to point out that every time Shawnee fires this like giant laser thing, he goes, ah, I'm like, this is the lamest anime roar. I don't know. It always felt really lackluster. And he does it like four times. And this the episode. Calamity's got its stock footage. Jimmy all the times. Anyway, Atherin is like, yeah, Kira, you convinced me. Your words reached me. It's very dramatic. And we also see Diarka backing up Moo and the Archangel. Moo no longer is arch enemy. And then in a very cathartic moment for these two people I who have been trying to kill line. each other for the entire time. In this great split screenshot, we get in the center the freedom and justice literally back to back with Atherin in top right and Kira in bottom left. And Kira is just like Atherin. And Atherin's response is, let's kick ass. Which is great. It's great, great a. but it's kind of out of left field from what we normally have heard this character say. And Kira's just got this yeah, even expression like, of, huh? you said a bad word on his face. Like, oh, 
I think it's just Kira's also surprised because he's never seen Atherin like this before. Atherin is either. so stoic, he doesn't really emote a whole lot of the time. So when he actually does show enthusiasm, it's just one of those shocking moments. Yeah, and well, also Kira, like I've said, has gone through this big emotional arc where he's kind of gained his self-confidence and knows what he wants to do. And this is kind of Atherin doing the same, and he's just reached it just a little later than Kira. And that's even more surprising because Kira, I think, very clearly sees Atherin like a big brother figure. And so it's weird, I think, for him to think Atherin could get his act together. But now that it's two on three and Kira has a wingman, nothing can stop him. Yeah, I keep forgetting that the, uh, what are they called? The daggers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, are the bad suits because I'm like, man, those look like some Earth Federation forces. Those are traditionally the good guys. They definitely are some Earth Federation forces. Yeah, they are. That's that so- the good guys just look like Gundams. Yeah, exactly. The Estrays. Yeah. Anyway, cut to Mr. Blue Powder's suit. It's like, yes, I would like to have everything wrapped up by evening. Where's my wine? Yes, I've got an important tea date. But Moo and Diarka are blowing up a lot of his suits, so that's probably going to be a problem. Yeah, they're making short work of this. Anyway, Kigali wants to go be a cool, empowered woman and go fight in a mobile suit battle. But Rambo's like, no, you commander shall never leave her post. You have to stay here and stop crying. You can't uh, active character, Kigali. You're a woman. And well, it's he also gives her some, like, diplomacy advice, which and, is And, nice. like, I like that, but it would have been cooler, I think, with both Lacus and Kigali if they would just pilot some mobile suits. It's very in keeping with Kigali's character. It's not so much in Lacus's character, but, like, I really do wish Kigali got to do more. Because I really like that character and that character idea, but she never really gets to do anything. She gets to do a little at the end, but for the most part, she just is kind of ineffectual, and it's not great. Anyway, her dad, Lord Izumi, is apparently in a classroom with a clock behind him, and some government guys come up to him and be like, preparations are complete. If only we had two more hours. But he's like, ah, we don't, so whatever. We'll have to make this quick. And he says to order the remaining troops together at Kaguya, because they are going to abandon the current island they're on, and Agoro, because Orb is an island nation like Japan. Because it's definitely just not space Japan. I guess Earth Japan in space future. Yes. And then we just get... Then the we cut to the Laurel Crusade submarine of... Just mustache of observation. Uh, of just to remind you that Rao is still here. And basically. Izak. I mean, no one cares about Izak at this point. I forget that Izak is a character sometimes at this point. So, And he's like, hey, watch those cool new mobile suits. See if we can get anything on them. I do like how he says, do we have anything on those unfamiliar mobile suits? And it's got the three druggies mobile suits and the freedom freedom. on there. Because technically all of them are unfamiliar to these guys. I'm pretty sure Rao knows about the freedom, but... But the others likely wouldn't. It was a Zaft project, right? And Rao's just planning It was also incredibly highly classified. So he said that, and I immediately thought, why bother? They're going to be destroyed by the time you're relevant in this arc again. (laughs) Well, he's just planning all his bases. Just making sure that... If nothing else, the information will surely please Chairman Zala. And then he's like, eh, and anyway, let me know if anything happens, and he leaves, but Izak goes after him. And, and Rao's uh, like, you'd like to be out killing some dudes, wouldn't you, Izak? And he's like, And he's eh. all sundary about it, like, no, I don't want to fight. Ugh. I actually assume that he I, I kind of get it, too, so. after that, like, last battle he was in, where he was clearly kind of disgusted with it. And since he doesn't realize that he actually has... You know, worthy opponents or friends involved. He's not as thrilled about being involved in killing daggers at this point because he's got the whole at least pseudo honorable warrior thing going on at the moment. And Rao says that Arab has refused any support from Zaft, which uh, reveals that Zaft has offered it, which is a cool and important bit of world building. But Isaac insists he's not interested. And then he's like, hey, don't worry. I'll let you go kill some dudes soon. 
And then Isaac's like, hey, what's the deal with this red-haired girl we have that's just, like, hanging out in your bed? If she's a captive, shouldn't we, like, put her in, put her in jail? Yeah, do, like, actually treat her like a captive? And I was like, oh, my sweet summer child. There are so many more uses for hostages in war. Yeah. That is still creepy. Like, I, Yes. And it, his exact words are, I have been looking for a key, and now I think I've found that key. My suspicion is that he's going to use her as a propaganda machine, but... And Isaac just looks so confused and kind of disgusted with him. It's pretty good. Because to Isaac, it's all about being an honorable war- warrior and yep. firing shots. Anyway, we cut back to or mobile suits being destroyed, <laughs> so we... God. I'm sorry, there's a shot of an astray standing in the street, and it's got its gun extended and its shield like off to the place. It's like, I don't need this. You know I'm why? I'm too much of a badass. They don't have that sweet shield hole <laughs> to stick their gun through. <laughs> the Archangel receives its orders to retreat from the field. And it does a pretty good job of showing Orb is slowly losing ground, which makes sense because we've seen they're greatly outnumbered. And then we get a nice shot of Orb's mass driver, which looks just like the one in Panama, which is how we know that's what it is. We get to see Atherin do some pretty sweet backpack maneuvers. Does his backpack have a name? Uh, it does, but I cannot remember what it is. Um, I want to say maybe the silhouette. He uses it as, like, you know, the matador cloak maneuver. Where you the just... backpack. The calamity, since it's just firing shots over and over again, is out of energy already. And Colossa, who's piloting the raider, starts making fun of him. He's like, I guess you can leave on your own. I'm not giving you a ride. And then, uh, like the goddamn devil, Atherin comes out of the water with his double-sided beam saber and slashes down, somehow only getting the raider's mace. Which, for some reason, is not resistant to beam weapons. Yeah, th- so this is something that struck me as really odd, because, like, at some point, whoever designed this thing had to assume that the thing with the goddamn mace is going to be fighting another mobile suit with a goddamn beam saber, well, because everything has beam sabers. Here's the other thing. It's not resistant to a beam saber, therefore it is also not resistant to a beam rifle. Yeah, so which it could lose access to that without having ever gotten close enough to use it. I know. It seems like such a design flaw. I- I don't know. I mean, it's a cool shot, but why? So anyway, now the raider and the calamity both have to retreat. The calamity just hops on the raider and they just, you know, they have their arguments. They're both angry at each other. And now it's two on one. But also the forbidden is out of power, so it has to go too. And Shadi gets to be all subdued as he leaves. And Kira goes ahead and shows why a scythe is actually a bad idea as a weapon. Because he blocks the, the thing, gets inside its range and forces him to run away. At the end of the fight, Kira and Atherin are both panting and clearly need to rest. And Blue Powder Suit Boy it seems kind of almost amused with it. He's like, oh, they're still not good enough. I need to give them more drugs. Yeah, I was going to say, is it just more drugs? Is that the answer? More drugs is always the answer. This is not a war on drugs. This is a war with drugs? No, yeah, this is a th- war th- on this drugs. Is, this is war on, on drugs. drugs. Ah, <laughs> but then we get the eye catch after that terrible pun Tyler made. Hey there, guys. It's Jeremy again. Thank you all very much for listening to It's a Gundam episode 38. We are very nearly done with Seed. Getting a little ahead of myself there. We still have the back story arc basically to go. But it's real. It feels like it's almost over. Um, In part because we're recording Destiny already. But we've been ahead for so long. That's not weird. I'm going to miss it because Gundam Seed is one of my favorite series. Anyway, thank you for listening, like I said, to episode 38. And if it sounds kind of familiar to you, uh, (laughs) if it doesn't, let me tell you a story either way. So I've been podcasting for six years now, 
And last week when I uploaded the episode, I made a mistake I have not made that entire time. And to tell you about it, I have to kind of tell you about the editing process. Uh, When I edit an episode, typically the first thing I do is I noise cancel it. I do some audio leveling so all our voices match up about equal. Make sure you guys can hear it and we're not super quiet or anything like that. And then I do the bulk of the edit, which takes about three times as long as the episode is, two times as long as the episode is. And that's just taking out all the pauses where we're just watching the show since we have it on the background and don't have anything to say about it. Or the especially unfunny jokes or the ums, uh, dub, 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 dub. Or when Zach really stretches a word, I try to compress it a little. All that fun stuff. And that's the bulk of the edit time. And so after that, usually I take a break. And I will do the last of the editing right before I upload it. Which, in the case of Gundam, is adding on the music, pulling the clips from the episode to put onto it, and recording this little bit. So I was on vacation a couple weeks ago, and that's why I've edited the last couple of episodes. We really want to get ahead and make sure we're releasing weekly, since... It's a Gundam has actually been quite a success, and thank you everyone who listens for helping us with that. We did last time on video games for a long time with basically no recognition, and obviously we kept doing it. It's not like we were doing it for that, but It's a Gundam is by far my favorite show to record. It's Tyler's as well, I know. Uh, So thank you very much for making it a success, but because you have done that, we want to make sure we're recording every week, we're releasing every week at the very least, and you have something to listen to. So to help with that, uh, during my vacation, I just said, hey, I'm going to epi- edit five episodes, so we'll be five ahead. And Tyler, you can work with that backlog, and we can keep on pace. So during my vacation, I did the bulk of the editing for every episode. I just, every day, I went in, I edited an episode, obviously leading these mid-rolls and the clips for later. So last week, I accidentally pulled this episode, and I put the clips for last week's episode on it. I recorded the mid-roll, put it right in the middle, and posted it, and it was about... Three or four minutes it was up when I went to edit our mobile suit ranking list, actually. I went back to listen to the episode to remember exactly where we'd put the Raider and realized, oh, this is the wrong episode. So I immediately pulled it. So uh, if you have that old version of the episode, it was only up a couple minutes. Probably nobody downloaded it, but I don't know that for sure. So if you have it, it's now rare and valuable. And if you show it to me at a con, I'll sign those bits for you. So anyway, that's my embarrassing story. Again, thank you everyone who listens. If you want to make fun of me for that story or just talk with other listeners, you should join our Discord, which you can find at www.lastpodcast.com. You can also just leave us a comment there. It's also where you'll find past episodes if this one is somehow the first one you're listening to. Uh, and since that was kind of a long story, I will get you let you guys get back to the episode, especially since this is a very good one. All right, bye. So we cut back to the Orb Roller Coaster, I mean Mass Driver. Where the yeah, the orb coaster. Or apparently, all the strike daggers also left. Well, this is a different island, so I know um, they've but like, retreated in. Apparently, they managed to have everybody retreat at the same time after the three main mobile suits of their force ran away. I am just under the impression that this isn't the front line, which would make sense because this is also where they're staging a lot of the like political people running away from. So anyway, Lord Azumi gets the captains of the Archangel, by which I mean Mu, Maru, and Kira, and tells them, "Hey, you should go into space." And Moo's like, peace out, bitches, and that's the episode. That's the episode right there. Which is kind of an interesting thing. He's basically like, hey, we're going to lose Orb as a physical location, but like maybe we can keep its ideals alive if enough of our people flee. Maybe plant a seed, hint, hint. 
and the future. We only have one spaceship because we are not a spacefaring power, but you also have one spaceship, so at least both of you can I, leave. I presumed that they had more than one, but for whatever reason they were... Because they did have the space colony. Yeah, but they specifically say the Kusanagi was for ferrying people and supplies. Tool. Oh, okay, they specifically referenced that? Yeah, I, that might be next episode that they bring that up. Diarca is still in eavesdropping oh, range, and no, Kira okay, and so Athern The people that were initially in. called were the helmsmen, yes, it was Mu Athern. and Maru, well, and then the, all the pilots show up. Yet. And, like, Diarca, then the other pilots show up, so they've got the entire mobile suit core, and then Maru and the helmsmen? So this actually brings up a good question. Why are the mobile suit pilots here and not... Well, Akira well, is he, clearly a leader person, and then you got two people from Zaft here. they got to decide what they're going to Theoretically, gonna do. like, the way I've always kind of thought of it is that mobile suit pilots are, in similar ways to Battletech, also technically commissioned officers. Kira is. He yeah. is. He outranks all, like, Murdoch and all the people. That's why they say you can't call him kid anymore. Well, I'm and, okay with that. My problem is, why aren't they out killing people? Well, because they were well, told to retreat, because they're gonna... Yeah, they're okay. they're back here as well. That's why I was talking about how the daggers are all apparently gone, because you have all of the mobile suits and all of the ground forces are also here. Well, Kira and Atherin were, like I said in the last scene, clearly exhausted, so they need that to is true. pull back anyway. And Lord Azumi's talking about the political situation. Hey, Azrael, that asshole who wears a blue-powdered suit, is now nearly in charge of the Earth forces, and Patrick Zala, another other asshole who may or may not be your dad is in charge of the plan. So we have two racists going against each other. And everyone looks awkwardly at Athern. Over Zach's comment. I love just how everyone in the shot of Lord Azume talking to them is like perfectly in character. Because Athern is basically at parade rest. Kira's just kind of chilling out. Diarca's leaning against the wall. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised Mu isn't also leaning against the wall, frankly. <laughs> but no, He respects Lord Azume. He respects Lord Azumi, and he respects Maru. Yeah, I was just going to say, he also needs to hand out his new bay, right? So yes. That's, uh, I forgot that happened. He, he's got to impress his girlfriend. No more wall leaning for Mu. He might even have to roll down his sleeves. I also love how Azumi, like, I think four or five times this episode, pats Kigali. <laughs> Good kitty. <laughs> so we get a couple shots of them preparing to leave, like, they are loading the estrays on board the Kusanagi. Yes, and we see the Astray girls, so we know they'll still be there in space. They gotta go to space, because in the original Gundam, the final conflict was in space, so they gotta get up there. I love the face that Asriel's making here. <laughs> he looks so goofy. He's just like Saturday morning cartoon villain, for better <laughs> or for worse. For worse. And he also has, like, almost the Izak Admiral opponent thing with Lord Azumi. He's like, I wish he'd just give up, but I kind of admire that he's giving us so many chances to test our new mobile suits and stuff. Meanwhile, we, we see the druggies going through withdrawals. Together. And we find out that the Archangel is having the Kusanagi spare boosters attached to it. And for some reason, firing its main guns will make it go I faster. I actually really like this. I've always assumed that the Lohengrin will literally destroy the atmosphere. Yeah, which so is you get a bunch of ionic crap, right? So like, if there's not air in front of you, you will go faster. Because there's yeah, no... It, but the, way, said it the way it is phrased... Acceleration. Yeah, the way it's phrased is, fire them as you increase a booster power to... Oh, okay, sorry. I misread that. I thought it said fire them to get to max booster. And yeah, well, if you kill more enemies, you get more speed power ups, just like in Gradius. And then, well, yeah, I mean that's that's how that works, right? No, but then they cause a positronic interference effect, and like that's bullshit that they've never techie, mentioned techie or used. Techie science wordy. There were so many times where they're being chased in Earth atmosphere where they could have just done that, and like actually, a lot of the times that they could have done that in theory, they had friendlies in the way. And Maru has said she doesn't want to use the low-end grade in Earth atmosphere. Okay. Specifically to avoid effects. messing that up. Okay. Yeah. 
And a lot of times, like I said, they've had like Moo or Kira in the line of fire. So we then cut to the Justice and the Buster just hanging out depowered. And at their base, Atherne and Kira and Diarca. And Diarca's like, hey, we could just go back to Carpentaria. Nothing would stop us. We have been fighting the Earth forces. We've been fighting the right guys. And Kigali is like, hey, dad, let's leave together. Don't sacrifice yourself for no reason, please. I can't leave without you. Bullshit, you can. So we got this random scene after the uh, Arca mentioned this Carpentaria of Millie carrying around a bunch of rice cakes. Did, does that have any relevance? Look, uh, someone just wanted to animate Millie carrying some rice cakes, and they needed an extra two seconds in this episode <laughs> when it came in. I think the idea was kind of to... To, to illustrate Diarca still has a crush? Well, kind of to show Millie, because Diarca's saying, we could just leave, but then, you know, show Millie as to kind of show that he's not serious. Yeah, no. He's no, not no. going anywhere. That's kind of what I read into it. It's just like, it's so random. I'm trying to find an explanation for it, because you're right, it is incredibly random. Just like Lord Azumi just ignoring his daughter like she's not there. Which I kind of <laughs> love, because she's just like, I can't go without you and all that, and he's just totally ignoring her. Meanwhile, Atherin is still flashing back to being admonished by Lacus. He initially says Atherin's all of zapped, and Kieran Diarca are just looking at him like he's lost his mind. We were not there for that conversation. He's like, and she knew all along. He's like, quit playing the pronoun game. Yeah, they're just like, <laughs> both Diarca and Kieran are just looking at him like he's lost his mind. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? But then he gives a very Nataro-like quote. Hey, we haven't seen her in a while. Whereas, like, I thought you were supposed to follow orders from your nation to end wars as well, quickly as possible. he's animated, there kind of looks like her, too. But now he's uh, reconsidering. And we've got Diarca looking very determined and Kira looking like, moderately very... determined. Kira has actually ascended Nirvana this entire time, and his corpse left behind is actually doing this of his own volition the entire time. Oh, man. The way they animated him right after that, though, his facial expressions are not very well done that time. Yeah, he looked kind of like, uh... He looks very derpy, which is kind of a shame, because usually when they do those close-ups on those important shots, it's much better done. They're much better at drawing angst than someone being happy. They don't have any experience with it. (laughs) It's just, it's very weird, like, I... Anyway, Gira's like, hey, let's go kick some ass. Well, let's let's go find the answer together. Okay. And Evan's like, I'd like that. With you. And Yark is like, I gotta be somewhere. <laughs> it's like, ah, uh, yeah, I think Millie's somewhere. I don't want to get between you guys. So, uh. I we... got a thing. I think I hear my laundry calling. Then the drug ears are like, ah, oh, we gotta murder those two guys. It's time to go. Uh, and they launch again. I missed my chance. I was also gonna say, Kira offers Athrum the spare bunk in his room. <laughs> I just fucking love that, that the Raider is the transforming one, right? Yes. Yeah, that it just is fairy all the time. I don't. <laughs> and then we get. Blue pants whining about the food on board the military vessel that is, of course, going to be rations. Like, why didn't he just bring his own goddamn food? He's clearly rich. Why didn't he bring his own provisions? Because he's an idiot. (laughs) Because he wants to see what war is like. He's a racist dick nugget. We get some more excellent techno babble. I can't remember. Is that actually on an announcement where they yeah. say that? Because everybody yeah. seems to sense it if it's not. Kira decides he's going to go launch and cover the Archangel while it takes off. Atherin's going to join him, but he's like, Diarca, get on the ship. Remember how gravity is not your friend? We got to shield you from it this and time. I, I actually kind of like it because he tells Diarca to board the Archangel, and Diarca looks so, like, actually frustrated that he can't help in this instance. I can, I can only sit on top of the ship and shoot, right? No, you'll fall off. You know that. Because <laughs> he's, he's right. I like, was gonna actually going to recommend that to him, and uh, then I remembered. He, he just looks so frustrated, like, God damn it, I want to help, but I can't do anything here. 
So the Archangel gets on the coaster. It's the Orbital Coaster. Why exactly is there a loop-de-loop in this thing? <laughs> it's very complicated physics. For exactly. positronic interference. Yeah. For yes. <laughs> Millie apparently <laughs> is watching a live feed of the hangar bay where Diarca is standing it's annoyed job. and frustrated. Guy's like, hey, come on, Dad, we gotta go. And he's like, why are you still here? <laughs> on the other hand, why is he still there? Because really, he didn't need to be there to press the damn button anyway. I mean, we're, we haven't gotten there yet. He wants to be very dramatic. He grabs her by the wrist and starts pulling her. Her is like, hey, you have responsibilities, I have mine. And Kigali's crying again. It, it makes more sense here. No, I, I get it. like, just... I'm doing this for you. If you stay here, I'm not going to be able to do the thing I'm going to do. In retrospect, it's very obvious what the hell he's planning to do, but... The Archangel fires its big guns and escapes into space. Uh, with some really cool effects... Some CGI. Like yeah, psychedelic. I, I feel like it's all computer generated. Dude. Um, it's a very cool filter. It's not quite as good as Instinct mode. Ultra Instinct. Yeah, it's there like 15 years earlier. Yeah. And Calamity looked to try and hit the Archangel, but both Kira and Atherin throw off his aim. Luna <laughs> throws Kigali at Rambo. It's like, <laughs> it's dangerous to go along. Here, take this. Take my foolish Keep daughters with you. Keep an eye on this for me, would you? She's ya? dumb. So please make sure she goes. Uh, I love this scene so much. And especially after Kigali, like, her face, like, she grows a snout <laughs> for a second. I keep forgetting about the fucking homing laser bullshit. The left turn laser? <laughs> it doesn't home, it just turns left. It just curves. It, it is the Eric Zoolander laser. You can't turn it off. Lord Azumi head pats Kigali, and it's like, hey, don't look at me like that. It doesn't suit my daughter. Also, you won't be alone. Okay, so, I'm... No shit, I've been referring to her in my notes as a puppy for a while, specifically Golden Retriever puppy. In this episode, and, it really <laughs> does reflect that, doesn't it? It does, and right right as Jeremy was saying that, she responded with, like, you know, but <laughs> father or something, and it looked like she yipped. <laughs> anyway. He's like, but you won't be alone. And then he pulls out the photo of her as a baby he just carries with him, with another guy in it. She's just like, like, what the with hell? Your brother. What, what, what the hell is this? And on the back, it's got Kira and Kigali's names written on it. You know, like you do with photos, I guess. Not the woman in the photo's name. <laughs> no one knows who she is. Also, it's written in English and not Japanese for some reason. He gives her a nod, like, yes. He's like, I'm sure I'm glad I adopted you or something. I'm not, it's not really clear right now. Bye. Anyway, I have to ride this bridge backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Rambo, make sure she doesn't die. And the Kusanagi starts to ride the roller coaster, which the Forbidden sees and goes to intercept. The freedom and the justice start chasing after it so they don't get left behind, while Kigali is just crying and yelling as they ride. Yep. Um, we do get some pretty cool shots of the orb coaster in action, which is nice. And some good split screens of the druggies chasing the freedom and justice. They are so bad at aiming. No wonder like they're running out of batteries. I love how it's like an old-time western train yeah. thing <laughs> yeah. going on here. Like I know that's heist. what they're trying to get at with this. I love that the freedom gets there first and it's just reaching out its hand and it looks like Atherin might not make it, which is definitely a possibility here because he could just go back to Carpentaria and they could get split up again here. It makes for a pretty different show. Like Atherin at this point could end up slotting back in the antagonist role if he doesn't make this here, but they managed to interlock those sweet, sweet fingers, no hands cupped, fingers laced. Yeah, I love, first of all, that they do that. And second of all, that somehow the mobile suits have enough strength in their fingers that this is enough of a grip to just like I pull them the, on. I assume the justice is still like rusty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, still, it's still got its boosters running, but yeah, much, and it was already gaining. Much like Nightwing, 
Atherin is thrusting. Yes. But anyway, they hold hands because they're friends! And the Frida manages to pull the Justice on board. Even though there's a very well-drawn, by which I mean the shadows look very good, shot of the Calamity Forbidden and Raider chasing them and shooting all the guns. But then the two get to turn around and point all of their guns at them, <laughs> the which is a lot like, of guns. Because oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's well animated, so all of the Freedom's guns come into play, and then you see the Justice like kneeling in front of it with its guns in play, and it's just They're like, oh shit, that shot is a lot them. of guns. <laughs> oh shit, there's two of them, and they have more guns than us. What I'm really sad about, though, is that Kira doesn't take the damn kill shot here, or at least an arm shot. He's pretty good at shooting arms off. Yeah, they just blast the water next to them. And they just need to escape. Kira's kind of over kill shots. All, all this is playing with a background song, by the way. And in the HD version, we get a longer, different version of the credits. And in the original version, we get the third ending so- scene and song. But anyway, we then cut to Lord Izumi, who is watching on a monitor, and because all he has AIDS with all of his purple suit bros and because he has no subtlety he's like name drop the seeds have flown we've succeeded we won't let orb in this world fall in the hands of those bastards and then he turns a key and presses a button and starts to glow <laughs> he goes super sane unfortunately he couldn't control it and also blows up all of orb and he takes out the orb the orb uh, coaster, coaster. No. and also the morgan rate facility and we actually see his body like in the flames looking determined and defiant for a few moments before we cut the credits. And we have blue suit, dude. Just yeah, everyone's like, reaction shots. Yeah. What I want to know is at what point during Orb's military development, they decided they needed a fucking kill switch. I assume that when earlier they were talking about preparations are complete. Oh, I think they that's were just, what it was like, they were doing. It. They were lacing charges along the thing. Gotcha. And then he dies in the and, fire and Kigali's like, no. We saw earlier that an EMP is enough to like just destroy them. So they have to be at least slightly explosive anyway. And to be fair, depending on where they are, there could be enough munitions in place in order to do that with a couple of well-placed charges. Yeah. If you hit the magazine, they have an annoying tendency to explode in remarkable fashion. Yep. So the episode ends on Kigali yelling uh, for her father. I don't know. Is, is that new from the... Yeah, this is a different ending. Okay, because I'm like, well, I don't know that I've ever seen that. It's only on this episode. It's actually quite well it, done. It uses the Destiny designs, which I'm not as thrilled with, but... It looks pretty good. So yeah, that is episode 38 slash 40, Into the Dawn Skies, which works pretty well. It was really weird to see Kira in, like, a dress shirt is really what I noticed, so... Yeah, and Kigali and Lacus in those really garish Japanese wedding dresses. The future, the seeds have flown, etc. Alright, so, it's time to talk about our game, which is in reference to a long-standing discussion Zach and I have had, where we are pretty sure that in Gundam Seed Destiny... Lord Azumi has more screen time than in Gundam Seed, even though he is dead. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so you've been keeping track of his screen time thus yes. far. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and so do they just keep flashing back to what a cool guy he was? Basically? Yes. Kinda? He dies so many times. You know, you be, f- be real familiar with that determined shot of him standing in the fire. They like that one. So he actually had a lot more screen time than I thought in Gundam Seed, though. He's on screen for 16 minutes and 59 seconds. That's actually quite a bit for a character in this show. Before he's death. I mean, it's no after or Kira, but it is a pretty good stint. So yeah, I will be tracking how much we flashback to him, both in the rest of Gundam Seed and in Destiny. I might separately track flashbacks to stuff we haven't seen before, too. It depends on how ambitious I get with it. 
It's yeah, because the debate was always whether or not he has more screen time. Not necessarily just in Destiny, yeah, but more yeah. screen time dead than alive. Yeah, posthumously. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, that's a pretty good game, actually. I'm a little surprised you didn't figure it out. I mean, well, at least figure out what Jeremy was tracking. I was close a lot of times. You actually, were very close. That's why I was. So, that's why I'm surprised that you never figured it out. I know he just seemed like such a minor character. I didn't know why we would bother keeping track of him. So. I do think there's at some point a reference on last time on video games that me and Jeremy mentioned him. Probably. Uh, episode 86, specifically. You made that up. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, we've talked about a bunch of the things that we've talked about on this podcast before on that show. Like, just me and Jeremy before we started this podcast, so. All right. But speaking of this podcast, we have some more duties to go through. So that was episode 38. Tyler, thoughts? Did you like this one? Is it? Um, I know it's kind of weird because there are a lot of major character turning points, but this entire episode kind of left me feeling kind of eh. It wasn't like super emotionally stirring for me. So it's one of my favorites. Like that hand holding moment, as silly as it is, <laughs> kind of always gets me. And I actually maybe it's just thinking about all the times and getting to see Destiny on rewatches. I really like Lord Azumi as a character, and therefore his death is really powerful, even if it's maybe not the best thing maybe he should have escaped too maybe one of his soup bros could have been the one to take the fall and it is a little cheesy that they're going into space now without much of an army to kind well, of figure he's like ah uh, a bunch of teenagers and maru ramius can figure this well, out right be, they've got mula flaga they've got the hawk of endymion with on them. the um <laughs> on the fact that he stayed behind it kind of makes it's sense a, it's a go down with the ship situation yeah it's not yeah, like it's symbolic well, you couldn't really order anybody to do yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, if we're going to do this, I have to be the one to do this because I can't honestly tell anybody or order anybody to My do it. My problem is, though, that all of his, like, aid people also stayed with him, and I feel like some sort I, of... I think those guys are, like, supposed to be the... The like, ruling the body of Orb, yeah, right? so... I feel like some of those would have been useful in running a goddamn independent mm. space nation. They sent Kisaka. <laughs> they sent Kisaka. They sent Kigali. Yeah, I just feel like maybe she needs some advisors, because She's got else, Kisaka. <laughs> some advisors who aren't Rambo. She's got Moo. He's there, too. He's not a politician. He's not a diplomat. Which is exactly why he's a good choice. Okay, that's fair. Although his choice would be, eh, fuck it. Now, that's my advice. Just, you know, run away from which, your problems. Which is why coffee. you also have Maru. And he's, her advice would be like, I don't know, feel for the people, Kigali. And she's like, God damn it, I already feel for the people. That's why I punched Kira just five minutes ago. That's I why just, I laid Kira out. He's over there. I mean, I'm just saying, I feel like she could have used some, like, actual diplomatic advisors, and now she has none. Eh, I don't think they're that important. Maybe does, diplomatic advice. Does Helmsman, Helmsman of the Archangel, ever get a name? I feel like... He already had a name, I just can't remember it. Yeah, he is It, it will be mentioned again. He is named, I just can never remember it, because it's one of those things that doesn't get mentioned a whole lot. He's a major minor character. Like, he's in pretty much every episode, yeah. but he doesn't play a huge role outside of his normal ice-deer role. Yeah. He's occasionally comic relief, which is kind of amusing. I feel like he would be a good vizier to Kigali, actually. <laughs> he will steer her in the right direction. <laughs> Murdoch is the only one of those characters that his name I can never remember, because his name is mentioned so many times throughout the series. Well, not to mention Murdoch. relationship with Kira. Murdoch is also a badass name, so it helps. He's like the older brother to Kira. He's the irresponsible older brother to Kira. What, and Moo's not? Moo's not the irresponsible Have you seen the difference between them? I'm just saying Murdoch's like the shitty older brother to Kira. Well, the thing is, Moo is actually kind of responsible. He's just not very formal. That's fair. Like, Moo actually solves his problems and gets his shit taken care of. And he does give Kira pep talks, whereas Murdoch's just like, dude, you bitchin'. 
It doesn't good rec- job, kid. Well, he's like, Murdoch's did- emotional intelligence is very low. Y- you did great. Why are you upset? You damn well murdered all those guys. <laughs> and, and Moo's like, that's why he's so mad. So what was your high point for this episode, Tyler? I'm going to steal the easy one and go with Afrin saying, let's kick ass. <laughs> so It's a good one. There are actually quite a few of them, though, so I don't mind you stealing Yeah, that. there are a few, quite a few in this episode. Zach, what is your high point? I actually really like Mordezume's heroic sacrifice. I really like the idea behind that kind of thing. And I got to give an honorable mention to the ending of this because I've never seen the ending of the HD version of this before. And I think it's really, really cool. It does look very nice. It's worth a watching. And it plays a different song over it because it has that insert song. And it just plays the whole thing out over the episode, which looks very nice. I'm really tempted to go with where they point all the guns at the druggies. That is great. <laughs> that is a pretty great moment. But I actually am going to go with a more emotional beat, which is Diarca having a character and telling Atherin, that's amazing. We agree on something for once. Because that's a really good beat. And Atherin and Diarca have this real subtle friendship for the rest of the series where they don't have a lot of screen time together, but it's always used very well. And this is kind of the start of that. Yeah, because now they have a common goal. They've acknowledged it. They're now gold bros. Well, and it's kind of one of those situations where they're not standing there and just being kind of antagonistic towards each other because they really haven't given a whole lot of time to hanging out around each other and giving an opportunity to try. That's what I kind of get the feeling behind that because every time you see him, Diarca's with Izak and Athrun was with Nickel, and so they never really spent a lot of time together. All right, what about low point, Tyler? This is really specific, but that, like, really, Asriel generally is a low point for me. But specifically, that one scene right before it cut to the druggies having, like, withdrawal symptoms, and he's, like, super cartoon villain mode. Like, it just, it looks goofy. It's just, like, he's not nuanced at all. It's, oh, no. It's a problem. There's a reason why. But he's so much better than Lord Jabril. That's, that's why I say this series goes downhill after Kira comes back, because the villains become cartoon cutouts. I really like Patrick Zala. But we'll get to him shortly. Zach, what's your low point? I'm really tempted to just say the druggies because of just what generally they are, the druggies. I think I've used that previously. That's actually kind of hard because Tyler. I'm gonna have to go with the animation of Kira's face when he's talking to Atherin and Diarca just before the launch because the animation on that. Oh man, it looks like the B team did that one. Yeah, it actually, and it's weird because it's an it's fairly important as a like a character moment, but it looks so. And the juxtaposition is off. I actually was thinking about that in the interim, and he actually looks kind of like a close-up of a 1920s, like, animated character face. Like, he's got a little too much of the smile dimple, and anyway. I talked about it when we were recapping the episode, but I'm going to go with, like, Kisaka giving Kigali that speech. I get what they're going for, where she has to, like, be more in charge and grow into a leader role, especially now that she's the leader of Space Orb and her dad is dead. But it really just feels like talking down to her to me and yeah, but... we didn't actually want to let this character do anything yeah like especially like she can since... at least pilot in a straight well, especially because she never really commands yeah i mean we don't granted, see her she's mostly just the stray girls presence, around or right and, and like i it'd be kind of difficult to try and give orders to kira atherin moo and diarka anyway but, but you like got jeremy these said three characters who like jeremy said he, she could be bossing around the estrays and running that side of the fight or something but she just kind of is there to stand there and stare at the situational board. Not actually give orders, not command, just be there like moral support. And then when we were first introduced to her in the desert setting, now when we are first introduced to her... That actually, was... no, even the first time, I was hoping she would be a battle girl. Like, and that's that kind of what they want to do with her, but they just never pull the trigger. And it's really too bad. 
All right, so we have one more duty, which is we have to put a mobile suit on our list. Do we want to add the Calamity or the Forbidden this time? We um, did the Raider last episode. And the Calamity is the silly laser bendy one. No, right? that's the Forbidden. Oh, that's It's got the scythe and the bending lasers. And the Calamity has just lasers. <laughs> and a rocket launcher. Well, let's go in reverse alphabetical order and put the Forbidden on there. Okay. Do we think it's better or worse than the Raider? I think it's just more visually distinct than the Raider. I and way I like prefer that. it, frankly. But it, I hate the bendy laser, and I really don't like its big crab disc design. I prefer kind of the transformation of the Raider, and I like the eagle motif that it's got going on. That so I prefer true. the Raider. I say, so, although the the wrecking ball that isn't beam resistant is just kind of silly. I was actually going to say I wasn't a huge fan of the crab disc design until this episode where he's underwater. I'm like, yeah, no, that actually looks kind of badass underwater. It just doesn't translate very well to any other environment, I think. So let's compare it to the other Gundam based on the depth size, the Blitz Gundam. It's got a little Um, more going on than the Blitz, which is a little bit plain. I actually... I like the nature of the Blitz. I like the idea behind it. I like its design, like... I really do like that cloak and dagger style that the Blitz is supposed to have. And it's got the kind of cool arm dart things. I, I was actually going to say I prefer the Blitz. And, and I so. do as well, actually. I was just mostly playing devil's advocate. <laughs> so about the midpoint, there is the Din. How do we think it compares to the good old Din and those wings? The Din is like the skirted one. Of yeah, it has, it's like the aerial Zaph suit. Yeah. I think I prefer the Forbidden to the Din. Um, Yeah, and I, I think I agree. I have a slight preference for no, the Forbidden. I was going to go for the Din, but... That's fine. How do we think it compares to the duel, which is good old Assault Shroud, being all bulky and stuff? I actually like the duel's simplici- or simple nature to the Raiders. Um... And the Assault Shroud gives it a similar bulky look to the Forbidden's, but it looks more practical, which I actually kind of like. Mm-hmm. I like the shields that it has, but those shields are kind of out of place in the rest of the series. since like They're never explained. They just kind of are. And I like they the never idea, use it anywhere but else. because they never really show up, I don't really... Is that a property of the phase shift armor? Is that something else? What's going on? Alright, so the Forbidden Gundam will go at number 11, below the duel with the Assault Shroud, and above the Din. Alright, so that will about do it for this episode. Hope you will join us next episode, 39-41, Trembling World, where now we're in space. We're going to get the new opening, and this is really like the final bit of Gundam Seed. I'm really excited for this next episode because the screenshot on Crunchyroll is just Rao looking like he's going to get up to some cloak and dagger shit. And Rao will be up to some cloak and dagger shit for the rest of the series. Great. The episode after next is Lack of Strikes, which is one of my favorites. I actually remember that one now that I think about it. Now I really do like that episode as well. Yeah, so I hope you're there and we will see you next time. Bye. isn't it? Diarca. Your orders are to take that thing back, right? Huh? It's not gonna go over very well. We're Zaft soldiers, and if we keep intervening like this... I don't want them to. I don't want any of them to die! Now that is amazing. For the first time, we agree on something.